0: What is a successful season for Colorado? I don't know. We don't know. We're going to find out this year in 2023, but we're going to talk about it on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked on Buffs. I am your host, Kevin Borba. today we have a special guest, Pac-12 analyst, former USC quarterback, former Pitt quarterback, Max Brown. Max, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. It's great to be here, man. Thanks uh, thanks for having me on. We're going to get perspective from all over the country, and Max has some of the best perspective in the country, I think. Um, today we're going to be talking about what is success for Deion Sanders in Colorado. Can Coach Prime lead him to a bowl game? Is five-game success? We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the challenges that Shadur faces, making the jump from the FCS to the Power Five and the Pac-12. And then we're going to talk about the all-around pressure on the Buffs this season. But before we do, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Buffs your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. K-Max, you heard the topics we talked about a little bit before the show. What is a successful season for Coach Prime? Um, We have people saying a bowl game is possible. We have some people saying three wins is a great year. Um, We don't know what to expect with the roster. But what do you think is a successful season?
1: Successful season for me for CU is in November
0: being in contention for a bowl game.
1: And I preface it that way rather than a specific win number or a specific outcome, because one, I think Colorado's schedule is really unique where you know it could get ugly real quick in terms of the wins and losses, given who's on their on their schedule. So if in November we're sitting here and it's not, hey, uh, it's doom and gloom, and there's some excitement and they're competing for a bowl game, that goes a long way. I also think and it's funny, I went on a, uh, a national radio station and the the national uh, college football fan, I think, sees CU and it's like, oh, what the, Vegas says the, the over-unders, three or four wins, like what the heck? They got Coach Prime, they got all this talent, but they don't realize the nuances of one, you know, how bad Colorado was a year ago. But then two, and I actually think this is maybe even the more important factor, is how deep the Pac-12 is. And when you go down their schedule, it's not like you're able to a pencil out several easy, guaranteed wins. And the flip side is also true. If you asked an Arizona fan, if you asked a UCLA fan, if you asked an Arizona State fan, like they're looking at Colorado as a game that they could win and they need to win. So I think wins are going to be much more hard to come by than years past in the Pac-12. Um, and that schedule is going to be brutal, where if uh, if we're in November – we're around Thanksgiving time. Um, and obviously the weeks before, and CU has a shot at a bowl game and they're in contention and people are fired up. I think uh I think that to me is a success for year one for Coach Prime.
0: That makes sense. And I like the time frame. I like the by November, by Thanksgiving, because it's a little little vague, a little specific. Um, I like what you're doing there. Um, I wanted to run something by you though, because I kind of have this. Um, I came up with this take a couple days ago. Um, realistically. There's no way for coach. I mean, there's one way. There's no way for him to fail this season unless he wins one or zero games. That's obviously an utter failure. But the only way to go is up. Um, do you think that maybe there's a little bit of, especially with the national media? Um, if you read any article about Colorado, I do it myself when I write about them at Athlon. I mentioned last season they were one and eleven. They had they were very bad. Obviously, they only returned ten players from that roster though. Do you think there are some people are holding on to that one and eleven record too much? I
1: think so. I'm probably guilty of that as well. And it's in large part because it's so foreign to see, uh, we've never seen a college roster get turned over like this. So naturally our hat, my habits like, Oh, you know, you point to last year, but last year obviously isn't as uh it isn't really applicable, but I will say, you know, there are some elements that I think could still transfer over um, offensive line being one. That's a huge component for me. It was a group that really struggled last year and that's a hard group to go. And, really in get an influx of talent and you know high quality players um just because it's a it's a pure p- p- premier position and i think even if you have the best skill players if your o-line's not dialed in we all know how that story plays out so i do think there is some there is an uh some some elements that carry over but Again, this is uncharted territory. It'll be a new look CU. And that's why it's so hard to predict where CU is going to land in this because you don't know exactly where they're going to shake out. And when you go down the conference in the Pac-12, there's almost every, almost every single fan base you can find a way to be bullish on their 2023 outlook, which uh, might be, might always be the case in July when you everyone's optimistic, but it really feels like the case this year in the Pac-12.
0: Yeah, I've been doing a lot of preseason, like previews of the entire Pac-12. And I think I want to say this is the deepest it's been in like a decade. If I'm being honest, I don't feel like I've, I remember a specific time where it's like there's five teams that could contend for the Pac-12 title. Um, realistically, those same five, if everything goes right, which it can't go right for all of them at the same time. But if everything goes right for them, there's a playoff chance for five teams. Um, it's super deep, super tough year to kind of try to, I guess, find success. But I think when you talk about the schedule, I, I like you said, there's there's a lot of tough games. There's only two games on the schedule where I'm like, I won't say guaranteed win, but I'm like, that that should be a win. I think Arizona State and Stanford. Um, obviously, the new coaches, um, Arizona State's in a similar situation. They flip the roster. And then Stanford, who I'm um, very close with the program, <laughs> they have the least amount of production in the Power Five returning, which is um, means new people could uh, emerge, but it also means they have no experience. Um, I think the success aspect for Coach Prime is – realistically getting some on-field product looking like there's some improvement to help recruits, convince recruits to come. Um, I think a bowl game would be huge. I think six wins, even if they lose the bowl game, I think six wins would be astronomical. They get over six. I think we throw a parade. Um, I think the people of Boulder should be out there parting. What do you think if they make it to a bowl game? I'm with you. Parade might be a little bit much, <laughs> but I think Fol- Folsom, if there's
1: a, if they went over six games, I'm sure there's going to be at least one or two uh, storming in the field moments at some point in the season. And hey, I called the Cal game last year, so I know what that looks like. And I know the buzz that Folsom, uh, Folsom can bring. But I'm right with you. I mean, if they if they were above six, I think bowl game's a tremendous su- success. Above six, that's, uh, that's big time. And it also gets me thinking, like, if they're above six – that means other teams in the conference did not uh, did not you know reach the reach the level that we're thinking they're at right now, and so it gets me uh, gets me thinking about who those teams might be. But you're right; I think Stanford and Stanford and Cal on paper right now, I think really have a big uphill battle. Um, Stanford especially, just just given like you said, the talent production coming back, but even like Arizona State, man. If you had if we had a a third co-host in this pod, and it was an Arizona State guy. Like they have reasons to to be excited, and they have some players. So I'm with you. Colorado's definitely favored in that game for me right now, but by no mm-hmm. means is it like, a, oh my gosh, this is going to be an easy win.
0: Yeah, no, there's no, there's certainly no easy wins. The schedule, the scheduling gods, if you will, aka the people in the boardroom, like ten years ago, because they make the schedule so far in advance, they didn't do many favors. Um, I think though, because a lot of people are considering this to be. I guess a weird experiment with the transfer portal. Um, I think this is a proven year for even although obviously it's year one, um, he's viewed as one of the more prolific coaches. Uh, this is a very experimental time with the portal. Um, and I think we're going to learn a lot as to whether he wants to continue this method or not after year one, because I feel like the whole purpose of doing this was to succeed right away. And he said that in the uh, Fox big noon podcast with Joel Klatt in
1: that, Hey, I mean the the mass mass exodus in year one. The reason you do that is to get in, guys in the program that are going to stick. And if they have to do this again in year two, that means they missed in year one and they did not, you know, they did not accomplish what the what this whole goal was of this offseason. So I'd be surprised if we see it again next year. Um, that might be stating the obvious, but I also have a feeling that you know part of Coach Prime's DNA is he's always going to be able to get a phone call with a recruit looking for a new home. And it would not surprise me if Coach Prime embraces the turnover model, um, you know, like we've seen. And maybe, I mean, as I said out loud, sometimes you see it with like LeBron NBA teams. Like it's almost mm-hmm. like organizations just have to embrace that. You're going to have a lot of roster turnover every single year. Cause you're getting vet minimums guys that are popping in for one year guys that are looking to just have their like golden year and then cash out with a new team. Yeah. Obviously, that's that's a that's a unique comp right there. But I, it just feels like Dion's personality is he's going to embrace the transfer portal when so many coaches have it about, you know, homegrown town and you know what's good for the be- long term betterment of the kid. I think Dion views it much more business like, which uh, could very well result in uh, in wins in a new structure we haven't seen before.
0: Yeah, that's a a very fascinating experiment. I think there's going to be a book about it someday. Um, I've talked about it on this podcast just about every day. Um, Realistically, to make it simple, if at least 35 of the transfers don't hit, it's going to be a rough year um, because there's 70 or there's 50-ish transfers. If 35 of them aren't at least high-level starters or high-level backups, it's going to be tough for Colorado. Um, Before we move on, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Um, Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel. Get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet. Oh, excuse me. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you could spend betting on everything from money line to over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. Shohei Otani, always a good bet. Um, on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. You don't have to worry about your money not coming through. Um, there's no better place to bet an MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today at FanDuel.com. To get $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Okay, Max, we talked about what success is for Coach Prime, for Colorado. Um, I think we left out one factor um, because we're going to talk about it right now. Uh, But my biggest key to success for Colorado is Shadur Sanders not struggling. Um, I think if he does well right away, they're going to do well right away. Um, But as a quarterback, making the jump from the FCS to the Power 5, regardless of, I know the people get on me, Max, and they're going to get on you too. There's a difference between FCS and Power 5. There just is. It's not to say that the FCS players aren't talented. There's just a little more athleticism, a little more whatever it may be. But what are the challenges that Stur Sanders is going to face um, as he looks to lead Colorado past this tough schedule? I think right away, just jumping leagues, you saw it last
1: year with Cam Ward, the Washington State quarterback, um, who struggled at times last year and was awfully successful at the FCS level. I know it's different than than Jackson State, but I think what happens is when you bump up the level – your the the average difficulty of your uh, the average difficulty of your completion just rises. And to say it a different way is there aren't as many easy throws to just get you in rhythm. Or if you make a mistake, there aren't as many easy throws to get you back in rhythm and get you into that level of, of comfort. And so if things are just much more difficult on an average snap, I think the, you can see the impacts of that with a guy like Shader Sanders. And I also I mentioned the offensive line before, and that to me is the big one don't have as many concerns about the weapons. I feel like they'll they'll be able to figure that out. They'll be able to figure out the pace. And the pace of their offense will help their offensive line. But if the offensive line struggles and Shadur Sanders is not able to get comfortable, let's say he potentially he gets banged up, he's not able to get in a rhythm, like that, that's going to be uphill battle. And when you look at it through the lens of this is as deep of a quarterback conference as we have ever seen in the league, and it's the best conference and when it comes to the quarterback position nationally this year, and if you get into shootout games where Shadir Sanders has to feel like he needs to be Superman because he's playing Bo Nix, because he's playing Michael Penix, because he's playing Caleb Williams, DJU, even Jaden DeLora, who can ball out. I mentioned Cam Ward, Cam Rising. That's half the conference. That's seven quarterbacks right there. Like if, if he gets into a mold where Colorado's playing from behind or he feels like he needs to be Superman every time, sometimes that can work against a uh, against a quarterback and i think the mental component of how he adjusts to that especially early on in the season with some of the tough games they have that to me will be the big uh, challenge for uh for shitter sanders in uh, 2023
0: yeah i totally agree and i think his biggest strength is also could be his biggest weakness he has one of the stronger arms in college football and realistically if he's trying to throw it all over the yard and uh, maybe gets a little antsy uh mistakes could happen i think we saw with cam ward cam ward's kind of Reminds me of a Johnny Manziel type, where he could run around in the backfield for twenty minutes and then sling it downfield. Shadur can run, but he's not elusive, or he's not going to run around like that. What do you think the challenges are going to be if the offensive line can't hold up? Because what for a quarterback where you you don't feel comfortable? What are what are the your the issues in your head? Like how how much time do you give yourself?
1: Yeah, the first thing that jumps out to me is. I have not seen Shadur Sanders that much. I've seen clips and highlights and, and, uh, you know, sports center sports center moments here and there, but everyone that talks about him raves about his accuracy. And when you start getting banged around and you're not comfortable and you're having to move around, the first thing that goes is your accuracy. And then the ripple effect from there is, you know, your general confidence. And then maybe you're skipping reads and skipping production, uh, progression. So that to me is the biggest thing. I think, uh, if he is walking into games where the talent on his team is not as good as the next team, which was not the case at Jackson state, that's just a different mentality shift. I felt it a little bit when I was at uh, USC versus Pitt, where when you're at Pitt and you might not have the talent advantage every single time, like when there, when that play is there that you've schemed up for an entire week, like you better make the most of it versus at USC. It was, ah, we can, we can always get that one back. It's just a different mentality at times. And so, I'm confident that he's going to show well. I think I think at the end of the season, you'll be like, all right, this guy is a good quarterback. Like, we see the future there. But I think uh, it's naive to think that he's not going to struggle in some capacity at some point of the year. And uh, if I'm a CU fan, I'm expecting that, and I'm paying attention to how he responds because that will tell me um, more than anything what how, how he's wired and the overall structure that, uh, that he's got at the QB position.
0: Gotcha. If you have to give, like, let's say, three keys to Shader Sanders being successful, what would they be? Um, no specific order. Just, I know I'm putting on putting you on the spot, but no, it's a good question. Uh,
1: one to me again is offensive line. I, I can't highlight it that, highlight that enough because there, there, there
0: are concerns. still with the, even all the additions. We haven't there haven't been many positive reports about the offensive line. I'll be honest with you.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. Um, two. I would say. I would say the RPO game, and that's a little bit nuanced, but I think just in that Sean Lewis offense, I think it's going to be vital to find easy completions for a guy like Sanders to put pressures on defenses and get him in a rhythm. So if they can find success with that, that to me goes a long way, and it should be like RPO slash running game because the RPO game is going to suck if you don't have a running game. So that's, that's two there. And then three, he does struggle in a game how does he respond the next game or when he does struggle in a possession, how does he, how does he respond there? And that to me is critical, right? If he's a guy that embraces that, um, then I think he's going to be, he's going to find a lot of success, but if it becomes a negative snowball effect, Mm -hmm. which as far as I know, that's never been a challenge. We've never seen that from him in his career of having to respond like that. Um, And that to me is critical. Where's he at mentally when things go South, where's the program at, where's coach prime at when things go negative. Um, I'll be very curious uh you know how he responds uh to that and that's a critical factor. You could say that about like really any quarterback, but yeah. his situation's so unique because of who his dad is, because of the expectations coming in, because of the expectations on the program, because of like you said how loud they are, but that factor to me is even more front of mind than it would be with other quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, my, Max, I don't want to say it, but I think we got great minds and we're thinking alike because that's one of my biggest Love it. I I I think it was about a week or so ago. I had my most five things I was most interested to see. And one of them was how they handle adversity, uh, especially with the offense. Cause I think it's cool to go fast. It's really cool to run a play every 30 seconds of real time. But how cool is it when we go three and out within two minutes and all of a sudden we're down 14 or something because we're going so fast and something goes wrong? And so I think that's a very interesting point that you made about seeing how they respond, because especially Shadur, Because if he's down, the whole team's down. Because we all know if the quarterback's down. The quarterback's kind of like the, the body language vibes, guys. So if the vibes are down from the quarterback, the vibes are down from everybody. Um, which Colorado, I don't know if they could afford that um, this year. Um, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the pressure on the buffs that they're facing from the media, from themselves, from the Pac-12 in general when we come back. We are back. Sorry, Max, it's a quick break. Um, we are talking about the pressure on the buffs. What is it? How Scale 1 to 10, if you had to give me a number right now, what would you put that pressure at? which is weird because their win total is like three and a half.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to go – it might be a cop-out answer. I'm going to go five because – Right in the middle. Yeah, because I think it's like an eight or nine – you could argue it's an eight or nine, but let's say Colorado loses the first couple of games. I can just see it in my mind already, the script flipping of like, we're in year one. We, I mean, it's a long way up. You know, last year it was a struggle. And as long as we're getting better every day, I, I can see the narrative changing. And it will be fascinating to see if that does, if it does play out that way, how coach prime handles that situation. But because of that, I think where you have the average college football fan that might say eight or nine, but the well-educated college football fans like, wait a sec. Let's be honest here. We respect what Coach Prime has done and all the energy he's uh, he's popping into the program. But let's be real. This program was one of the worst programs in college football last year. So let's temper it down a little bit. Which is why I land at uh, at a five there.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I'll go a little higher. Um, I'll say pressure at a seven. But yesterday I did a whole episode about the target being on their back by other teams. So I would say pressure at a 7, target on our back level, about a 10, just because, one, we talked about it, they're loud. Two, Deion Sanders is on the sideline. Um, I think there's going to be some sort of gratification when you beat Deion Sanders, his team of his transfers. And then three, um, we've kind of seen it from Pat Narduzzi. We've seen it from uh, Matt Rule, uh, Jim Mora. Coaches don't really like this transfer portal uh, experiment method. Um, so I think there's going to be some behind-the-scenes gratification, behind-the-scenes little chips or shots fired at uh, Coach Prime if they beat them. Because I think Colorado's kind of put a target on their back just by becoming relevant, if you will.
1: It's such an interesting dynamic where, like, when you look at it through a national lens, I think it has one view and one connotation. And then when you look at it through a Pac-12 lens, like, I'm a Pac-12 guy. Colorado, just to be straight up, is not the first t- first team I think about. Um <laughs> but but for the national fan, it probably is for some for for some teams because they think about Coach Prime. Like Colorado right now, like I think about Oregon, Washington, and USC. And to me, to be honest, Oregon State, before I think about Colorado. And it's I've never experienced this in my broadcasting career where it just there, there's just different narratives and different positioning depending on, you know, your fandom, where you are in the country. And I mean, it's a testament to what Coach Prime's done because he's engaged uh, engaged the national media, which is huge, and he deserves a ton of credit. But it's just so unique and fascinating because to your point about the pressure question, I think that's where that scale will net out with uh, everyone differently.
0: Yeah, and I think if we're being realistic, the pressure should be a two or a three. Like there, there's no reason to have any expectations for this team you talked about earlier. Um, we got a brand new roster, which I, I have another question about the roster we're going to get to in a second, just because people tell me it doesn't matter, but I think it does. Um, they have a brand new roster, very tough schedule, and realistically, it's just hard to compete in the Pac-12 this year, um, regardless of where you are, who you are. Um, USC could drop two games and it wouldn't shock me. Oregon State is my dark horse to make it to the Pac-12 title game but they also might not make it and have three losses because the conference is so deep. Um, My question about the roster, um, and you could attest to this because you were transferred um, from USC to Pitt, Um, how important is it to gel with your team? Um, I say that's one of my bigger concerns is this team coming together and playing against people because there's a difference between practicing against the same guys every single day, maybe maybe Johnny over at at the corner spot. You know his weaknesses because you throw at him every day. But what is the differences and kind of importance of gelling um, as a whole team?
1: I think it's critical. I'm not saying you need to be best friends with everyone on your team, but I do think that's one thing that – I mean, the best comp for this scenario is USC last year, um, and they did not have nearly as many transfers, but they had a lot in the grand scheme of where we were at uh, this time last year. And they gelled really well, and it was a large part because of the leaders they had on their team. Like uh, Travis Dye deserved a lot of credit. Uh, Shane Lee, who came over from Alabama. Those guys were – came to USC for the right reasons, not ego related reasons for, um, you know, wanting to put a program back on the map. I can't speak to the culture in Colorado right now, but given the flash that Dion naturally um, probably gravitates towards, or I guess I should say the, the, because of Dion's flash guys gravitate towards that and you run the risk, maybe than other more, more so than other programs of getting guys that might be coming over for more, selfish reasons which is not necessarily bad but if right. you do that at scale and you don't have the the player leaders in place Dion could a head coach can only do so much if you don't have the players lead, player leaders in place that's where I think you're vulnerable so I think it's a it's a uh, it's a great point it's a legitimate concern um but I would say, I'm not as concerned about it as I would have been last year because I saw what USC did with basically every other or pretty much every vital player was a new, uh, a new face of the program and they did just fine. And if you have the right head coach, the right quarterback, the right leaders in place, I think you can get uh, people marching in the same direction. Um, easier said than done, but uh, it's doable.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot of, external factors and i just feel like gelling well obviously it's not the importance of everything you guys could hate each other but as long as shader could throw it to whoever's out wide it doesn't matter if they're best friends or not like you said um but yeah i think there's a lot of things to look out for this season pressure i you win a, a solid five i win a seven um and the extra two points for me just comes from we live in a, a very reactive culture. We live in a social media culture. Everything we do is for social media, whether we want to admit it or not. And so as soon as Colorado loses that first game, whenever whether it's TCU, Nebraska, Oregon, USC, whatever, they're going to be absolutely, for lack of a better term, flamed on social media. And I think the pressure is going to grow. And while we don't want our favorite players or favorite teams worrying about what they say on social media, um, there's a great NBA player by the name of Kevin Durant who literally made a burner account for Twitter to respond to his credit, his criticism. So if you're going to tell me that a group of 20 or something year olds, aren't going to care what people say, I'm going to call you wrong.
1: (laughs) I'm right with you. I was guilty of that when I was in the saddle too, young player looking at the the tweets and whatnot. And now it's even more prevalent with more content creators out there, more social platforms. So no way to ignore it for Colorado, but my gut says Dion embraces that because he knows the bed that he made for himself, but you're spot on. If that, if that September record's not pretty, I'll be fascinated to see how uh, how the – more so the – I know how the social media is going to respond, but more so how the the team and, and, and Coach Prime responds.
0: Yeah, it's all about the culture. Max, before we go, before I let you out, I need one thing you're excited about for the Pac-12 and then one thing you're excited about for Colorado.
1: One thing I am excited about for the Pac-12 – what do I got for you? Um the quarterback position, man. I think uh, it's the cop-out answer, but I remember what two years ago, three years ago, where we were saying, "Oh, it's it's no longer the conference of the quarterbacks." Like, all the, the quarterback position's down, and it was true. Yeah, two years ago, that the, the conference really struggled struggled at the quarterback position. It's absolutely loaded now. This is the best class, and and you could you might even be able to argue this is the best class ever, but best class since the. Andrew Luck, Matt Barkley, Nick Foles, Connor Halliday—that that that class, Um, yeah. yeah, Little little throwback there. Um, Got a Super Bowl MVP and um, some good NFL starters in there, but it's it's that good. And I think with that comes an elevated. It's it's gonna be more fun to watch. Uh, Mm -hmm. The teams are gonna be better. And kind of a PSA for the average Pac-12 fan. I think six wins this year should be treated like seven or eight wins in years past because it's going to be hard to, the, the teams, you know, even teams six through 10 in the pack 12, they're much better than they were three years ago, which is not a sexy take at all, but it's in, in my, in my opinion, it's a factual take. And uh, just keep that in mind when you're uh, watching pac 12 ball this year.
0: Yes. And then I need your one Colorado excitement. Um could be anything really.
1: Shoot, I'm excited to see Folsom Field, man. Fired up, sold out. I keep seeing these uh, headlines about the season ticket holders. And, I mean, I, I remember calling games at Folsom Field and people being like, man, there's no way they're going to get this program back. Like, it, it's not there. Like, the fans showed up. Maybe not at scale. Maybe not like they would if Colorado was pushing 10, 11 wins. But I've been to a lot of stadiums where it, you just don't feel that buzz at all. And I'm just pumped when Colorado does get some momentum for uh, for Folsom Field and CU to get activated and i think it'll be great for the conference and uh, great for college football
0: yeah those those bucks fans they they go a little crazy i went to the spring game that was my first time in boulder and you would have thought they were the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs with coming off back-to-back titles. It was sold out. The energy was buzzing. It was snowing. Um, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about Colorado. There's a lot of reasons to be excited about seeing Max Brown cover the Pac-12 uh, this season. Max, tell people where they can find you and what, what you're working on.
1: Appreciate that, man. Yeah. I'm active on the social platform. So uh, TikTok Brown, it's Brown Max. Uh, Instagram's Max Brown, the opposite way. And then, yeah, I'll be having a package of games with Pac-12. So Um, hopefully six or eight weekends. So, Hey, maybe I'll be coming to, coming to Boulder. And, um, I have a breakdown show on PAC 12, too, called pocket presence. So keep a lookout for that. It's more about X's and O's, um, looking at all 22 footage and, uh, breaking down, breaking down schematics there, but active online, love engaging with fans and uh, always a PAC 12 guy. So, uh, it's been fun, fun, uh, fun chatting.
0: It's been fun having you. Um, I appreciate you guys for tuning in today and I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day.